Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I am Bryson Carver. Again, today, a little bit of an early show on this last Friday before Christmas, right in the middle of the holiday season. Hope everybody is having uh, a great week and lo hopefully looking forward to a great weekend, spending time with, with loved ones. Uh, hope everybody's staying safe out there, by the way, that this, th this uh, Arctic blast that's been all around the country has been unbelievable uh, where I'm at. It is currently, let's see, it's five degrees where I'm at. So, Oh, I'm sorry. It went up to six. My bad. My bad. We got a little bit of a, of, of a boost in the heat department. Okay. So, but everybody please stay safe out there. This, this is crazy, crazy weather uh, that, that we're dealing with around the country. Uh, but we have an absolutely packed show today. A little bit of a holiday themed show, right? I mean, we're, we're going to do some typical sports topics, right? Going to talk about the Jets Jags game last night. Uh, the, weird ongoing debate why it's still ongoing yeah now I'm not the guy to ask but this Kyrie Irving Steph Curry uh thing is is, is kind of odd I'll discuss that uh but at the end of the show two segments I'm really looking forward to so in the spirit of the holiday season we, it, it's a time where we give gifts right it's it's better to give than to receive well I'm going to well I'll, I'll explain my role in this but Naughty uh, athletes that are on the naughty list, athletes that are on the nice list. Santa's got a list. He's checking it twice. Athletes are no exception to that rule. You might want to check this out. And at the end of the show, the show today, week 16 NFL predictions. We got, I think, 11 games tomorrow. We got three games, uh, triple header on Christmas Day. Some massive matchups with huge playoff ramifications. Some divisions could get clinched. Big, big matchups all across the National Football League uh, this weekend. So uh, definitely looking forward to predicting those. But I got to start with last night. Um, <laughs> Jets-Jaguars. So the Jaguars beat the Jets by final score of 19-3. to uh, Figured to be a little bit of a low-scoring game. Um, I, I thought the Jets would, uh, you know, Crazy me, I thought the Jets would get to 20, but or I'm sorry, I think 21 was, was where I had them get. I think I had the Jaguars winning 23-21. I will get to the Jaguars because, once again, I hate to be starting to a show for the second time in a week with a Jaguars game and not talking about the Jaguars who won the game. But, like when the Cowboys lost, the bigger story is the losing team, in this case, the New York Jets, and in particular, their quarterback. Um, 
I was never high on Zach Wilson coming out of the 2021 draft. Uh, I never understood the notion that, okay, Trevor Lawrence is going number one to Jacksonville. We knew that the second the Jags got the number one pick. Like that was, J Jacksonville didn't have to scout a single quarterback, uh, any of the first round talents at least, outside of Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, as long as he's everything that we all knew and thought he could be, they knew they were picking number one. But then number two, there's a lot of other quarterbacks available. I love Trey Lance in that draft. A lot of people, and I really like Justin Fields. A lot of people love Justin Fields. Uh, some, dare I say, even like Mac Jones. And then there's this kid out of BYU, Zach Wilson, who has got a rocket arm, um, made a couple of insane highlight plays in college. We get that. But when it comes to making the simple throw, not getting himself into situations that he doesn't need to be in, being able to get the offense out of situations that they don't need to be in. Zach Wilson wasn't that good at BYU at that. But he had a big pro day. He wowed people with his arm. How many times have we seen this story before? I think Zach Wilson at this stage of his career actually has a comp that I'm going to discuss in just a second. But um, I'm, I'm just going to go on and say it right now. I'm not a 1,000% sure that Zach Wilson is going to be the NFL by the end of next year. I'm not sure about that. Given what he's put out in the field the last two years, with the Jets a season ago, with the Jets now, last night um, against a Jags defense that is struggling a bit. Okay, I mean the, the, the Jags defense is really the weakness of their team. Zach Wilson mustered up three points. His numbers, it, it's unbelievable. These, it's, it's incredible. Nine for 18. 92 yards. A touchdown, a terrible interception, a passer rating of 41, and a QBR. QBR, folks, is 0 to 100. Take a wild guess as to what Zach Wilson's QBR was. Slightly warmer than the city of Chicago right now. Five. Too often on the field and at the podium. Zach Wilson has shown you why he's not a franchise quarterback, and I think at this stage, we, we, need, we need to ask a serious question. Forget starter. We've seen many backups this season play better than, I mean, Brock Purdy's played better than Zach Wilson. Cooper Rush has played better than Zach Wilson. Plenty of backups. If there's backups in the league. Gardner Minshew's going to start for the Eagles tomorrow. I'd take Gardner Minshew in a heartbeat over Zach Wilson. And Jets fans, you, I think you guys would agree with me as well. I mean, it's incredible. They bring in this kid. Chris Strebler, Chris Strebler, who is in a sense the fourth string quarterback for the Jets because you got Mike White to me is the best quarterback on the staff. Joe Flacco second, followed by Zach Wilson. Chris Strebler is the fourth worst, fourth best quarterback on his own team. And when he came in, hang on a minute, the Jets are moving the ball down the field. They, they got some life. Now they couldn't convert in the red zone, but all of a sudden you bring this guy in and it's like, he can move. He's decently accurate. Now, you're not going to like build your franchise around Chris Chubler, you know. I'm not even sure. If, if Mike White, who's hurt right now, I have reservations as to whether he's the quarterback of the future. But there is no question this year that the other three quarterbacks who have taken the field for the Jets, Joe Flacco to start the season, Mike White when Zach Wilson was benched, and now Chris Chubler have all been more productive than Zach Wilson in terms of moving the ball down the field, playing within the offense, accuracy. By the way, again, Strebler's more mobile than Zach Wilson. 
Make the, the simple throw. Again, Zach will make like one throw a game. You're like, Dang, that was a good throw. And then he'll make like six that you're like, what are you doing? Either he's a step late. He's uh, thrown out over, over the head of guys. He's throwing awful interceptions. I mean, at some point, when you look at how uh, uh, Joe Douglas, who runs the Jets, how he has put together a team that has gone from the joke of the NFL. Okay, two years ago, they had the second worst record in football to now. Holy cow, that defense is really good. Hey, hang on a minute. Before he was injured, weren't we talking about Brees Hall as a potential offensive rookie of the year candidate? Absolutely, we were. He was looking great. Jets offensive line, hey, they... They actually do a decent job in pass protection. Garrett Wilson, nice rookie receiver. C.J. Uzama, I've always liked C.J. Uzama. He's a good pass-catching tight end. And it's at some point, you got a question. Okay, the other quarterbacks look good. Zach Wilson looks awful. I mean, I don't think the Jets coaches are all idiots. I think Zach Wilson is genuinely that unproductive. And so... I would be, the Jets have two games left. They got at Seattle, at Miami. At this point, the Jets' season's over. Okay, they're 7-8. and eight. They would, in order to make the playoffs, they'd have to win their last two games and get all kinds of help uh, to get into the playoffs. Uh, I mean, I mean, you, you can't... You, I don't know if I've seen a quarterback look this bad coming in the league outside of another guy. And I was talking about, early in this segment, a few minutes ago, talking about Zach Wilson's comp. Not in, you know, frame necessarily, not even necessarily in accolades accomplished in, in, in college, you know. But in terms of how they came in the NFL with all these lofty expectations and how they've drastically underperformed, Zach Wilson is Jamarcus Russell. Through the first 22 starts of Jamarcus Russell's career, he had 3,400 yards. Zach Wilson has a little, little over 4,000. Jamarcus Russell, 16 touchdown passes. Zach Wilson, 15. Jamarcus Russell, 15 interceptions. Zach Wilson, 18. Jamarcus Russell, 53% completion percentage. Zach Wilson, 55. Passer rating, Jamarcus Russell, 71. Passer rating for Zach Wilson, 71. Both objectively bad quarterbacks. And by the way, both not good at the podium, not lost the locker room quickly. For Jamarcus Russell, it was the fact that he, he didn't study film. He did not take care of his body. For Zach Wilson, it's this sort of uh, uh, you know spoiled kid type of mentality where you know he was he was taught how great he was his whole life, and now that he's actually being held accountable by coaches, teammates, the New York media, he's crumbling. We we all know the soundbite from from this season when they lost the Patriots. The Jets offense scored three points, did literally nothing in the second half. Offense like the struggle is just to get a first down. And a reporter asked Zach Wilson, Do you take any responsibility for what happened? He said, No. That's who he is. On the field, he's trash. Off the field, he can lose a locker room as quickly as anybody. And I, you know, I've always said if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you either got to, and to be successful to get the locker room to buy into you, you've got to, you can be. I mean, just incredibly talented. Um, putting up insane numbers, putting your guys in position to succeed at the highest level that they can. But you could possibly be kind of a little bit of a jerk, a little aloof in the locker room. Aaron Rodgers. Now, Aaron Rodgers won a lot of games this league. He's won a lot of MVPs. 
not as many Super Bowls as we prefer, but he's been pretty darn successful. Or, on the other hand, you could be really limited, but an excellent leader in the locker room. Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo, likewise. He's won a lot of games. He's helped his team get to a Super Bowl. Got to Helped his team get to an NFC Championship game. I'm not that high on Jimmy G, but the Niners locker room loves him. What you can't be is Baker Mayfield. Or this year, Kyler Murray. Or Russell Wilson or Zach Wilson. You can't be a crappy leader and crappy on the field. And that the perfect package is a Patrick Mahomes, a Joe Burrow. Those guys who are, I mean, remarkably gifted and they command the presence of a locker room. Like that's the perfect franchise quarterback. Not, not, there's not that many of those in the league. By the way, one of those guys who I think is, is very soon going to be in that category is the guy that won the game last night, Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to talk about the Jaguars for a little bit before I move on to the Steph Kyrie debate. So, Jaguars won 19-3. Trevor Lawrence didn't have any passing touchdowns. He did rush for a touchdown and a quarterback sneak. Uh, you know, solid numbers, 20 for 31, uh, 229, QBR 61, pass rating of uh, 86. Again, not going to blow you away in Trevor's defense. I think the Jaguars' game plan was smart. They know that, hey, the Jets are not explosive offensively. Just don't put them in positions to where they got short fields. Jets team has a great defense. You know, move the ball down the field. Try and convert in the red zone. Jags weren't great in the red zone last night. But be efficient. This is not a game where you're going to need to take any big risk. It's a short week. Just get in, fly to New York, get the W, leave. Doesn't need to be pretty. Doesn't need to be special. You know, this is a warm weather team in Jacksonville. It's a warm weather quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who played high school in Georgia, played college at Clemson, and then has played in Jacksonville, Florida. You know, very, you know, he, he's he's not had to play a whole lot of cold weather games in his football life. Last night was not just cold, but it was wet. It was windy. He played well. Given the circumstances, given a great Jets defense on the other side, I thought Trevor Lawrence was solid last night. And, you know, it goes to show you, I saw a stat. I love funny stats um, that, you know, just kind of, I don't know, just it makes you laugh a little bit. I saw this. The Jaguars have won three games in the last 11 days against the Titans, Cowboys, and Jets. They won three games all of last year. And it goes to show you, yes, did the Jaguars go all in in free agency? Yes, they did. Adding guys like Christian Kirk. Did they hit some home runs of the draft? Yes, Travis Etienne coming off a, a rookie season where he didn't play because of an ACL tear. He's come back. Look, has looked really good, right? You go out and get, uh, or you go out and draft guys like Trayvon Walker. But Doug Peterson has made a massive difference for this football team. And I knew this was going to work when, when the Jaguars hired Doug Peterson. I said the Jaguars are the lock of the NFL to double their wins. The lock of the NFL. Well, they've, dub they, they've doubled that in some. I, I said they'd finish with six wins. They're up to seven. And at this point, I think they're going to finish with nine. They're going to win the, NFC, the AFC South. You look at their schedule moving forward. Again, they've got at the Texans next week. That's the only game the Texans have won all year long was at Jacksonville. And it was in part because of a bad Trevor Lawrence interception at the goal line, pulling his best Russell Wilson impression, right? It's a revenge game for Jacksonville, and it's a big game for Jacksonville. They have extra time to prepare. They will win that game in Houston. And then the big one, they go at, it's at a home game against the Tennessee Titans, who will either have Malik Willis, who I liked out of college, but is a project, is a raw rookie, and or, or my man, and I love him, that's my guy, Josh Dobbs. Gonna roll with Trevor Lawrence and with Doug Peterson and that Jaguars roster over what's left of Tennessee. 
I'd still take them even if Ryan Tannehill were playing. But now that Tannehill's out, now that you, all you got to do to beat the Titans, load the box. If Malik Willis beats you through the air, a guy who's completing 44% of his throws, if Josh Dobbs, who's never started a game in the National Football League, beats you, so be it. But 22 for Tennessee's not beating me. So the Jaguars of teams that, you know, control their own destiny and it's kind of a coin flip as to whether they'll get in, I have more confidence in the Jaguars than any team in either conference. The schedule's easy. They're playing well. They uh, Trevor Lawrence has really found himself as a true franchise quarterback. And again, it goes back to what I said coming out of that 2021 draft. Trevor Lawrence, within the first five years of his career, will be a top five quarterback in the NFL. Well, at this point, the way that he's been playing since week nine, 14 touchdowns, one pick. He's in the top 10. Who's to say that by the end of 2023 that he won't be in the top five with the Allens, Mahomes, Burroughs, you know, insert whoever you want after that. Because guys like Aaron Rodgers is not getting are not getting any younger or Tom Brady. So uh, props to Trevor Lawrence, props to the Jaguars. Great, great win for them last night to go on the road. Uh, it, again, they were underdogs, which I said in the show yesterday when I was predicting this game. I don't get it. Zach Wilson's been playing bad. The Jets can't score. Why on earth would I would I take the Jets to cover that? Like Jags plus two was one of the easiest bets of the week, without a question. So props to uh props to Jaguars win this game. I do want to warn the audience real quick before we move on uh, to our uh, following segments, which uh, I'm looking forward to to getting into. That again, because of all the weather issues, you know, around the country where I'm at, around like you know, early in the morning, four or five, six, whatever it was, I don't remember. I was too I was too tired. Uh, the power went out. So, uh, if 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 something crazy happens and the power goes out and the show just ends abruptly right in the middle of me blabbering, you'll know why. Okay, so just just wanted to throw that out there. If the show just stops, it's not because, uh, uh, you know, not because the Grinch cut it off. Just letting you guys know. So uh, I did want to move on, though, to the NBA for just a quick second because it's weird. We sometimes tend to create rivalries when there's not really one there. It's because we like rivalries. As a matter of fact, I think, you know, one of the very few downsides of today's sports, there's really not that many rivalries, at least in pro sports. College sports, the rivalry is going to last forever. Okay, I mean, these have been going back some 100 years. Um, but in the, in, in the NFL, in uh, the NBA, Major League Baseball, not that many like rivalries where two teams genuinely do not like each other or in the context of sports, hate each other or two athletes. Uh, there's not that many. And a little less than a decade ago, Warriors-Cavs, in all honesty, folks, probably the best rivalry we had in the NBA since Celtics-Lakers in the 80s. It, it certainly was not better. It was not better than Celtics-Lakers because uh, they met, I, mean, I don't know how many times in the 80s. I think they won like half the championships, maybe over half the championships in the 80s. You had two of the 10 greatest players ever, the greatest point guard ever, Magic Johnson, and the second greatest small forward ever in Larry Bird. But Golden State-Cleveland was the best thing I think we've seen since then. Like, there was genuine animosity. You had your superstars, LeBron and Steph and Kyrie Irving. And then for two years, it was Kevin Durant. Uh, you had your all-stars. You had your Clay Thompsons and your Kevin Loves, your Draymond Greens. And then you had kind of your uh, your your glue guys. You had guys like Tristan Thompson. And and uh, for that one year, you know, it was Matthew Tell of Adova. 
Richard Jefferson. For Golden State, it was Andre Guadalla, Andrew Bogut. Then it was JaVale McGee, Harrison Barnes. And so it was, it was a great rivalry. But years later, I think we're still trying to make a rivalry between two players, and I don't get it. I don't get this comparison of this debate, of this argument about these two guys. And it's Steph Curry and it's Kyrie Irving. Now, the argument that a lot of people make in favor of Kyrie, when we talk about, you know, who just who's the better basketball, not who's more accomplished, not who's had a better impact of the game, just objectively speaking, who's a better player. And that's the argument a lot of folks make, at least, you know, those that are Kyrie fans, like, hey, you know, he's got a better handle than Steph. Some nights he's more efficient than Steph. They're neither are like, you know, great defenders. But it is a highly flawed argument. I I'm not even gonna get into the fact that Steph Curry hit nine times in his career has gotten at least one MVP vote. Kyrie has never gotten one MVP vote in his 12-year career. Or the fact that Steph Curry has been named first or second team All-NBA seven times to Kyrie's one. Or the fact that Steph has four rings to Kyrie's one or one finals MVP to Kyrie's zero. Two regular season MVPs to Kyrie's zero. I don't want to even get into that. What I do want to get into is this. It's the big issue, and we see it in basketball, the NBA in particular, more than any other sport. We are so enamored with the talent that we see past those little things that hold you back. That's the thing. You know, when we talk about some of the the, the, the most talented players that we've seen, think about a guy like uh, Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard for, I mean, well over a half decade was without a, a, a question the best defensive player in the, the league, was the best center in the league, Helped, his, helped the Orlando Magic get to a finals. Was the most athletic player in the league, not named LeBron James. But what was the thing that held him back? It's the little things. He was so rigid to his game that when the game of basketball was shifting from, from what he did best, he didn't change. LeBron, on the other hand, who was always a subpar three-point shooter. He could knock down an open three, but you're not going to rely on LeBron to go through a stretch early in his career, at least, where he's going to hit like three out of four three-pointers. Like, that that just wasn't his game. But as the game shifted to a more shooter's league, LeBron realized, hey, I, you know, I got to get better. I'm still great. I'm still going to be dominant. But if I transition, if I, you know, adjust my game to what uh, to how it's played now, I could be even more dominant than I am now. Because I am the best player in the world, so who's to say that if I don't address that I can still be the best player in the world? Maybe even better than I am now. It's those little things. And with, with Kyrie and Steph, folks, it's those little things. Steph brings you leadership. Zero drama. Z I, I don't think there's a, a player in the NBA where there is less drama around him than Steph Curry. And the Warriors, by the way, throughout the duration of this dynasty, there's been plenty of drama with Kevin Durant, especially the last year Katie was there with Draymond Green. There's been some controversies with, you know, uh, the front office and whatnot. You know, Joe Lake of the owner were light years ahead of the NBA. Steph Curry has said a word 
That's not that's not his game. That that's not. I mean, it, it, the biggest I guess controversy you could say Steph was involved with was when he his emotions got the best of him in that game six against Cleveland back in 2016, and he he did what he obviously should not have done through his mouthpiece as, as somebody sitting at at, uh, at at center court. Like that's like that's the worst thing that Steph has done. That's the most controversy he's been involved with. Kyrie. It is something every year. Every year. Because last year in Cleveland, he didn't like playing with LeBron, which he's one of the first players, superstar players, that have said, I didn't like playing with LeBron. I felt like I was the one, not him. His second year in Boston had all types of issues with the young players there. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. At the time, Terry Rozier was there. And basically said, that's not my job to lead. Yeah, like, y'all figure yourselves out. I'm going to play my game. You had his second year in Brooklyn. Remember the whole issue with, uh, you know, we don't need a head coach. Or actually, yeah, there was a second year in Brooklyn. We don't need a head coach. Huh? Can, can you imagine Steph saying that? All right. Then you got, obviously, during that season, he just randomly out of the blue takes two weeks off. Doesn't tell his coach, Steve Nash, or his teammates. You had the whole vaccine controversy last year. You had the whole uh, anti-Semitic film controversy this year. And not to mention, by the way, Kyrie's not all that durable. Now, Steph has had his share of injuries, obviously, four, or, I'm sorry, yeah, three years ago, he broke his hand. Uh, you know, Kyrie Irving, though, has, has, has you know, had a, a plethora of injuries. Talk about his knee, ankle. Uh, he had a shoulder problem years ago. Like, it's it's always something with this guy. Physically, um, emotionally, you don't know where he's at. You're darn sure not relying on him for leadership. And again, the big thing that separates the two. The Warriors without Steph Curry. Since Kevin Durant left in 2019, the Warriors without Steph Curry went under 30% of their games. Under 30% of their games since Kyrie joined the Nets. And he's missed a lot of games. Missed a ton of games his first year. Missed a lot of time with those that two-week span his second year. Uh, missed a lot of time. Remember, he only played, I think, 41 games because of the vaccine situation. And this year, the suspension. He's missed a lot of games. The Nets have a better win percentage without him than with him, despite his remarkable talent. We are so enamored with just the talent that we forget what separates players. Think about a guy like Zach Levine. Zach Levine can jump out the gym, is a great shooter, good ball handler, but he doesn't play that well in the defensive end and has had, in the past, it's kind of underreported, a lot of issues with teammates. A lot of issues with coaches. Giannis gets along with everybody. So does Steph. Uh, you know, so do, uh, you know, other guys like uh, Jimmy Butler, by the way, that's what, I mean, Jimmy Butler is, of the best players, best 15 players in the NBA, Jimmy Butler is probably the least talented. But demands the absolute best out of everybody, including himself, plays his behind off on the defensive end of the floor, is big time in the playoffs. That's what separates him. In terms of talent, just talent alone, there's not that big of a gap between Steph and Kyrie. I mean, there's really not. 
Steph's obviously the better shooter because nobody in the history that, that's ever played the beautiful game called basketball has ever been a better shooter than Steph Curry. But Kyrie very much holds his own in that department. Kyrie, to me, is a better ball handler than Steph. Steph is a better defender than Kyrie, but not, you know, not by a, he's not, you know, Hakeem Olajuwon or something to, to the second Isaiah Thomas, not the OG Isaiah Thomas in Detroit, but the second one, the 5'9 Isaiah Thomas, right? There's not a huge gap. Kyrie outplayed Steph in a finals back in 2016. But it's the intangibles. It's the leadership. It's those little things that separate him. And it's the durability between Steph Curry and Kyrie Irving. Ryan Flowers, Clutch Sports Talk. What is up, my man? He says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, Ryan. Merry Christmas to everybody out there or whatever holiday uh, you are celebrating. Obviously, uh, I love this time of year. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot, lot going on in the world of sports right now. Please, y'all stay tuned for my naughty and nice athletes list. You guys are going to enjoy that. Uh, and of course, my Week 16 predictions at the end of the show. Um, but I, I just think the, the debate has gotten kind of weird where we only stick to who's better. Now, I think Steph's the better player, but again, it's not by a big margin. I mean, it's not. But, man, when you talk about the little things that separate the greats from the talented guys, oh, it's it's astronomical. I mean, you tell me today, you, you, you take it to start your franchise. Are you taking Jimmy Butler or Zach Levine? You tell me. It's not even close. Zach Levine's more talented than Jimmy Butler. He's drafted higher than Jimmy Butler. There's a better vertical than Jimmy Butler. He's a better shooter than Jimmy Butler. Why has Jimmy Butler been more successful in the playoffs? Why did Jimmy Butler carry his team to the NBA Finals? And Zach Levine, if I'm not mistaken, has never been out of round one. It's the difference between Kyrie and Steph. Voice about Kyrie. What's, what is Kyrie Irving's career without LeBron James? He's never been to the Eastern Conference Finals. Heck, he... He's gotten to the second round twice in his years without LeBron. He's been injury riddled. A lot of controversy. Listen, he hit arguably the clutchest shot in the history of basketball. But, and that, listen, that will be the every, and forever in history, you know, 30 years from now, when they say Kyrie Irving, you think game seven, 2016, hit the, 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 the winning shot over Steph Curry to win the championship. But, again, it's the little things that separate the really good players, really talented players, from the all-time, all-time greats like Steph Curry. And, again, you know, because this debate sort of began when uh, Kyrie and Katie had a, you know, friendly back and forth with the Warriors fan. And, I don't know, it, it's just, it's gotten almost, uh, I don't know, it's just it's kind of a, a weird debate at this point. What is not... A weird debate. What is not really a debate at all? Mac Jones is not a very good quarterback. And it's gotten so bad in New England that two Patriots legends, not NFL legends, but Patriots legends, guys have won multiple Super Bowls with this team. Guys who, again, those teams in the uh, uh, early 21st century and, and you know the mid-2010s, would not have won without these guys. Vince Wilfork and Julian Edelman. Both took big shots at the Patriots' starting quarterback. Vince Wilfork was talking to NBC Sports Boston. 
And he criticized Mac Jones for making his anger so visible every week. He said, quote, I'm tired of it. You know what I'm saying? I'm tired of it. You're the leader of this team. You're a quarterback. So you can't be frustrated every single week and every single play. I don't care if you're getting the play call in late or whatever it may be. At the end of the day, you have to show some poise because you operate the ship. You're the head of the ship when you're out there. Then you've got the teammates out there looking at you every week and every play. Every other play, it's this, that, and the other. So he's sort of criticizing his uh, the way he's carrying himself. Uh, this is Julian Edelman, though, who was even harsher in his criticism of Mac Jones. Julian Edelman went a step further than I did in my criticism of Mac on Monday on the show. Jules criticized him for the last play for not making the tackle on Chandler Jones. Julian Edelman said, quote, the season's on the line. You've got to trip him. And he criticized Mac Jones' poor decision-making and effort uh, on that last play. He also said, quote, you know, uh, uh, he was asked by Brandon Marshall, former NFL receiver. He said, hey, Mac Jones never practices tackling. You know, that's not his job. He doesn't go to practice and tackle guys. Julian Edelman responds, you know what? He also doesn't practice the antics after plays and waving off coaches and all those little pissy faces and stuff. Like he doesn't practice that and he does it. Why can't you make that tackle? It's bad. So both Julian Edelman and Vince Wilfork, highly critical of one Michael McCorkle Jones. Now, you guys know, I talked about Zach Wilson to start the show. I was never high on Zach Wilson. I said he'd be a bust. I said that the other bust would be Mac Jones. And again, I certainly don't root for that to be the case. You don't want anybody's career to go in the toilet in their early 20s. It's terrible. But given what I'd seen on the field, given what I'd seen uh, in more in the case of Zach Wilson, leadership-wise, I didn't like what I saw in college. Well, I'm really not like what I'm seeing leadership-wise out of Mac Jones. This was never one of my criticisms of him. Like the thing, if you ask me, hey, say something positive about Mac, Mac Jones, I say, well, he's smart, uh, always has a pretty good completion percentage, uh, plays within the offense to the best of his ability. Uh, you know, a, a solid again. I felt like he was more of a backup than a starter. I feel like he was more Brian Hoyer than Drew Brees, but that that's what more I felt about Mac Jones. But it has been kind of a theme for the last month, month and a half, where he's dog cussing coaches. Going after players, particularly in the offensive side of the ball, kind of almost, you, you guys hear me criticize Aaron Rodgers a lot for this, you know, bad body language, slumping, throwing your head back. You know, it, it's, you see a lot from Kyler Murray. He kind of ghost teammates on the sidelines. Like, it, it's, it's a genuine story at this point. So with Mac Jones, again, the talent limitations were there. And it, it, just like I said about Zach Wilson, you can be limited talent-wise. The arm doesn't blow everybody away. Maybe you don't move all that great in the pocket, but you play within the offense. Uh, you, you show a level of leadership and poise, like Vince Wilfork was talking about, that uh, endears you to your teammates. Again, everybody in New England, we, we the fans know it, the media knows it, front office knows it, so of course the players knowing know it, that this season is really going south. You know, a Patriots team that made the playoffs last year is really on the brink right now, and they've got the big, bad Cincinnati Bengals coming into town tomorrow afternoon. So there's a little bit of panic in, in, in Foxborough, understandably so. And when you're looking for leadership from your guy, and he's playing just as bad as you are, and he's turning the attention to you rather than holding himself accountable. I mean, I've watched Mac Jones press conferences. After games, after mostly bad games, like against Buffalo or against, say, uh, the uh, 
Uh, Cardinals, he didn't play well in that game. Last week, no accountability. None. He's not saying, hey, you know what? I got to play better. I got to step turn the ball over. I got to push the ball down the field more. You say, well, Bryson, they're, they won't let him push the ball down the field. Have you seen his numbers from early this season when they did let him push the ball down the field? Terrible. Among the worst deep passers in the league. So eventually, and I've been critical of Matt Patricia. He he was in no way, shape, or form qualified as a defensive coach to be the offensive coordinator for the New England Patriots. But in his defense, in Bill Belichick's defense, they had to put the training wheels back on because he couldn't handle it. He's not a playmaker at the quarterback position, and with the limited pieces that the Patriots do have offensively, you kind of have to be. You got to show me something that I'm like, okay, I, I, I like what I see there. He's inaccurate now this year. The turnovers are out of control. He's not playing efficient football. Uh, you know, he's bad in the moving the pocket, which we knew that back in Alabama when he was in college. And now the leadership has become a major question. If we're going to bash guys like Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray, and Russell Wilson for that matter, for their uh, the, the poor job that they've done, at least this season, leadership-wise, we darn sure should criticize Mac Jones. Because dude has not proven anything in this league yet. He had a nice rookie season. Helped the Patriots get to the playoffs. Cool. That, uh, Tim Tebow got to the playoffs. Yeah, there's been, uh, there's been plenty of quarterbacks that... Mark Sanchez got to back-to-back AFC title games. No, but no, none of us ever thought after 2012... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That he was a franchise quarterback. We, we didn't. What has Mac Jones proved in this league to have the cachet to go after guys? He doesn't. You know, I talk about Aaron Rodgers. One of my biggest issues with Rodgers is he's passive-aggressive. He doesn't say, go after guys on the sideline. Like, if Aaron's doing his job and other guys aren't, I, I wouldn't have an issue with him if he went like, yeah, hey, let's let's wake the, you know, you know what up. We got to play better. You got to play better. You, you, you hold yourself to a higher standard than this. But Aaron's issue is he rolls his eyes. He, again, horrible body language, kind of doesn't really, he ghosts them on the field, doesn't talk to them on the sideline. That's exactly what we're seeing from Mac Jones. The problem is Aaron Rodgers is a Super Bowl champion, a four-time MVP, one of the greatest quarterbacks that we've ever seen in the history of the National Football League. Mac Jones is last in just about every stat for quarterbacks. All the stats that matter. Completion percentage, touchdown passes, yards, all that. It's kind of like what we talk about with Mike White. You know, it, it, you know, Mike White isn't quite as talented as a guy like Zach Wilson. Boy, the offense sure looks a lot better with Mike White. That two-game stretch with Bailey Zappi. Patriots moved the ball. He was accurate. He was, Matt Patricia was like, hey, bombs away. You can throw it down the field. Remember how many deep shots he took against the Browns and against the Lions? They won't let Mac Jones because he can't. So if Mac plays bad again, 
the Patriots offensive staff and Bill Belichick may look at it and say, okay, chances of us making the playoffs at this point for seven and eight are not very good. Max playing bad. Max not taking any accountability. He's ripping us on the sidelines on national television. Let's go with Bailey Zappi the last two games of the season, see what we got. See what we got. Vince Wilfork, Jillian Edelman, are their criticism is very much warranted. What have you seen from this guy? Forget just this year. The first two years were like, hey, you know what? That's a franchise quarterback. The end of last year, he was terrible once defensive coordinators got film on him. You see this a lot with, with backup quarterbacks. Remember a few years ago, was it Kyle Allen who had a, a two, three-game stretch? He was like, dang, Kyle Allen looks pretty good. He looks better than Cam Newton. And then defensive coordinators got film on Kyle Allen. He turned back into Kyle Allen, right, who's a, you know, a journeyman backup. Same case with Mac, except because he was drafted 15th overall and not what I thought he was, a second or third-round pick, we're going to give him a longer leash. First-round picks always get longer leashes because they have the higher upside. Now, Mac's upside was more intangibly than tangibly, but even intangibly, he's gone down the gutter. So, I totally get where, where, where Edelman and, and Vince Wilfork are coming from, and safe to say I've been on this for a while. I've been on this for a while. Uh, he's not that good. He's better than Zach Wilson. I think Mac Jones is a backup. I'm not sure if Zach Wilson is an NFL quarterback. I mean, he always looks bad. Mac will at least occasionally have a moment here and there every third or fourth game. But he's a backup. That's what he is. And the good news for the Patriots is he's on a rookie deal. They're not paying him anything. It's not like, it's not like Kyler Murray where the Cardinals sign him to a big contract and it's like, oh, shoot, he looks awful. Oh, crap. Oh, we're trapped. Oh, my goodness. It's not the case in New England. I think there's a lot of changes that need to be made outside of quarterback. But we know it's the most important position in all of sports. So you got no chance of winning any championships unless you get that right. And the Patriots certainly have not done that. We weren't expecting him to be the next Tom Brady as the, you know, like the Under Armour commercial narrated by Morgan Freeman. But could you at least be competent? <laughs> okay. Could you at least live up to being the 15th overall pick to a certain degree every other game? It's not Mac Jones. It's not him. It's just, it's, it's, he's limited. And now he's, he's really turned into a bad leader. And listen, Vince Wilfork and Julian Edelman know a thing or two about leadership. They play with the greatest quarterback of all time. Who's possibly the greatest leader of all time. So, uh, yeah, they they certainly have, they certainly have cachet when it comes to this. They they know that Patriot system in and out like the back of their hands. So there you go. All right, so it is Friday, December twenty third. We've got one week left of twenty twenty two, which is crazy. This year has, at least for me, it has flown by, and it's the holiday season. It's the time of gift giving. Now, I got a I got a call from a guy you you maybe heard of him. His name is Santa Claus. And he, he he called me. He said, okay, Bryson, I've got a job for you. I'm, I'm really strapped this year. This, this, this weather and the storms, everything. It's, it's, it's really, you know, kind of got me stressed a little bit. You know, uh, the elves are, we're, we're a little bit understaffed. And so I want you to, to help me out with my naughty and nice list. I said, well, gosh, Santa, that's a, that's an awful long list. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to sign to you athletes. Because athletes, at the end of the day, they're people just like all of us. They're naughty and they're nice. There's good people and there's bad people. 
there's athletes who are amazing and athletes who aren't as much. So he said, I am tasking you, Bryson Carver, to help me out with my naughty and nice list for athletes. Now, if we did every athlete, this show would last like three days. And uh, I don't think anybody wants to, to hear that. So I narrowed it down to five each. Five athletes on the naughty list, five athletes on the nice list. So we do, do we have some, some backup Christmas music here? Let's see. I, th- I think we, I think we got a little something, something. So we're going to start with the nice list. The first athlete that I tabbed to be on this year's nice list for Santa Claus is Aaron Judge. This hurts me to say as a Red Sox fan, Aaron Judge is on the nice list this year. Uh, Here's why. So first of all, obviously broke the American League home run record, which happened to be held by Yankee Roger Maris back in 1961. Aaron Judge hit his 62nd homer uh, early in October uh, to break the all-time American League record. When you talk about Aaron Judge, a guy who was offered a pretty good contract, right, at the start of spring training, but he said, I'm better than this. Yankees didn't think so. The market seemed to possibly be trending on Aaron Judge's side. He said, you know what? I'm going to go prove it. I'm going to go prove it. I'm going to show the world that I very much belong on the nice list, that I very much deserve something that Aaron Judge got as a Christmas gift the other day, and that is being the 16th captain in Yankees history. So to do what he did, albeit wasn't good in the playoffs, uh, but in, in fairness, Aaron Judge masked a lot of the Yankees' flaws this year. Because of that, he is on the nice list. So congratulations to Aaron Judge. Uh, he'll be getting a, a good gift uh, this Christmas. To the naughty list, somebody I just talked about just a second ago, Kyler Murray. This is this is an easy one, folks. This is an easy one. So instead of, he's the classic, instead of doing his homework, he played video games. Call of Duty in particular, as has been widely documented. The Cardinals signed him to one of the biggest contract extensions in the National Football League this summer after he had held out, after sort of a back and forth, despite the fact that earlier this year, he really struggled in that playoff loss to the Los Angeles Rams. I mean, he Kyler was bad. He was throwing bad interceptions. He was inaccurate. His body language stunk. But he was given a second chance. Like, you know what? We're going to give you a contract. We are officially making you the face of our franchise, our quarterback to help us get to the next level and possibly, dare I say, win a Super Bowl, given the success we had last year. Yeah, Kyler Murray was awful. In terms of leadership on the field, he was had his least productive season as a pro. Uh, again, obviously, unfortunately for him, tore his ACL against the New England Patriots a couple weeks back, so certainly wish him the best uh, in recovery. And listen, I'm all about second chances. Maybe this injury, the time away, will give Kyler some perspective. Who knows? Okay, the, the, the naughty in the nice list is a year-to-year basis. But this year, there is absolutely no case that you can make that Kyler belongs anywhere near the, uh, the nice list. Moving on to the next person on our nice list, it is Joe Burrow, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, who helped the Bengals earlier in this calendar year, 2022, despite having the worst offensive line in the NFL, get to the Super Bowl. Doing it by beating a hot Raiders team who had won four straight coming into that playoff game. Doing it against the number one seed, Tennessee Titans, on the road. And then getting his most impressive win as an NFL quarterback in his very, very young career, only third season in the league, at Arrowhead 
against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs despite trailing 18 points at one point. Like, that is that is the stuff of legend. You go to the best quarterback in the NFL's house, in my opinion, the best coach in the NFL's house, one of the toughest road environments in sports in the world, in my opinion. Arrowhead Stadium is loud. It's like a college environment almost. And for Joe Burrow to keep his poise, he's known for that than just about anything. That and his uh, unconventional outfits uh, to games, his unconventional fashion. All right. That, 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 that might have been a case to put me, maybe get him in the naughty list, but... To, to come back again this year with an, a, certainly an improved offensive line, but to start 0-2, right the ship. They've won 10 of their last 12 since. He's very much in the MVP discussion. Uh, a guy who's, you know, possibly the front runner for MVP, Jalen Hurts. Joe Burrow has more touchdowns this year than Jalen Hurts. Uh, he's, you know, a third in touchdown pass, 31. He's on pace to possibly break Peyton Manning's single-season record for passing yards this season. Joe Burrow's absolutely on the nice list this Christmas. Moving on to the second person on the naughty list. Uh, it is another quarterback. It's Aaron Rodgers. It's Aaron Rodgers. There, 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 there's, there, there's no case whatsoever to put this man on the nice list. You see his call right there. Yeah, hope, hope, hopefully Santa didn't sneak any ayahuasca in there. So Aaron started the 2022 calendar year as the number one seed. As a guy who was later, a couple weeks later, going to be named the league MVP. For the fourth time in his career and for the second straight season. Led one of the most pro offenses in the NFL. Home field advantage. Again, we talk about tough places to play. Lambeau Field's one of them. He faces Jimmy Garoppolo and the sixth seed San Francisco 49ers. Aaron Rodgers puts up 10 points. He's inaccurate. Doesn't throw to anybody else outside of Devontae Adams, who the Niners figured that out pretty quickly. They said, hey, we're just going to triple cover him. Make Alan Lazard and, and Randall Cobb beat us. When Mercedes Lewis fumbled early in that game, he kind of ghosted him. That's the thing with Aaron. That's why he's been on the on the naughty list uh, many times. He's a he's a uh, you know he's a regular on this list, as Santa told me before he gave me this assignment. Because you talk about the leadership that's not there. You talk about being again working with young receivers. You got a lot of new guys coming in this Packers system. Uh, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson. Sammy Watkins came as a as a veteran free agent. And Aaron Rodgers, rather than showing up to OTAs, despite getting a new contract, no contract battle here, and he went in the forest, and, and I'm not even going to try and guess what he did up there. So, not helping develop his teammates, not being able to build a good rapport with them before the season starts, and then getting getting mad at them for not picking up the playbook. Later in the season, it's like, bro, you, you had a big hand in this. Not to mention, by the way, the Packers, after three straight 13-win seasons, the last two of them, being the number one overall seed with Aaron Rodgers being the MVP in both seasons. They are now six and eight and fighting for their playoff lives. And Aaron Rodgers is having one of, if not the worst season of his long, illustrious and accomplished NFL career. He is an absolute uh, guest on the naughty list. Sorry, Aaron. Moving on to the next person on our nice list. Probably the most, I don't want to say controversial, but the guy I really hesitated on. It's like he's kind of that in-between category, but I'm like, you know what? I got to put him on here. I, I, I can't. It, it's hard to make a case against him. Matthew Stafford. Now, Matthew Stafford almost played himself off the nice list this year, this season. Uh, his completion percentage was in the gutter. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. The accuracy went down against similar to Aaron Rodgers. The only guy he seemed to have any trust in whatsoever was Cooper Cup. 
Uh, didn't really get Allen Robinson involved. Obviously, they did lose Odell Beckham Jr., uh, who's still a free agent. I guess they could get him back after this season, depending on what happens uh, with his status. Losing some offensive linemen, we get that. But earlier earlier this season, folks, a guy who had been heavily maligned for the first 11 years of his career, you've never won a playoff game. I use the nickname, as many had, Stat Patford. Puts up impressive numbers, but doesn't win the playoffs. Didn't really get to the playoffs all that much in Detroit, despite having the likes of Calvin Johnson and company. Despite having Jim Caldwell for a while as a head coach, a guy who's a Super Bowl head coach. I was like, I was kind of skeptical on Matthew Stafford. But gets his first playoff win against the Arizona Cardinals and the naughty list uh, uh, recipient, Kyler Murray. Goes on the road to Tampa Bay. The at-the-time defending champion Buccaneers, led by the greatest quarterback ever, Tom Brady, who was in the midst of one of, if not his best season. And he beats Tom Brady with a game-winning drive. Obviously, his team blows a 27-3 lead. Stafford didn't have a big part in that. Didn't turn the ball over. You know, he had a snap go over his head. Cooper Cup fumbled. Cam Akers fumbled. Can't really blame Stafford for those. But when the money was on the line, when he absolutely had to be at his best, hit two big completions, the Cooper Cup, set the Rams up in field goal range, they won the game. Down 10 in the fourth quarter to that big bad defense of the San Francisco 49ers. Matthew Stafford leads three straight scoring drives to win the game by three. And in the Super Bowl, down was they, they, they were down four points, so field goal does no good. Touchdown, you need a touchdown to win the game. Matthew Stafford was excellent, getting the ball to all of his playmakers. Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, the tight end Tyler Higby. Of course, Hick Cooper Cup with the game-winning touchdown to win it over the Cincinnati Bengals. Listen, he almost played himself off the naughty list, or off the nice list, but man won the Super Bowl, and man was the definition of clutch throughout the playoffs, which is something that he really wasn't for the majority of his career. Matthew Stafford is on the nice list. To the next person on our naughty list, talked about him earlier in the show, it's Kyrie Irving. Again, a similar to Kyler Murray, a, a very frequent guest, unfortunate frequent guest on this particular list. Kyrie Irving. So, early, earlier this year, he had the whole vaccine controversy, but then he comes back and, you know, he's back in the lineup for the Nets, and the, the whole thing for the Brooklyn Nets was if, if, if they'll just clear Kyrie to play, lift the mandate and whatnot, he'll be able to go, and we are a championship contender. They got swept out of the playoffs. The only team in the NBA playoffs to not win a postseason game. Kyrie, underreported story, after the game, after that game for in which they lost to the Celtics, told the media, hey, you know, we got some decisions to make in here, and I feel like I should be a part of that. Huh? You, you missed 41 games because of something you wouldn't do to help your team. For the, for the betterment of the team, to give your team a shot to win a championship. And once said mandate was lifted, no excuses now. You were terrible in the first round against your former team, by the way, the Boston Celtics. It, make, it makes it even worse. Puts Kyrie even more on the naughty list that the group that he was with not only swept him, but got to within two wins of winning the NBA championship. Not a good look for a guy who refused to lead them back in 2019. Kyrie Irving, pretty easy one. He is also on the naughty list. Next person on the nice list. And he's been on it a few times since, since coming into his particular league. It's Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is on the nice list this year. 
again, given what noise surrounded the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of whether or not that they can win losing Tyreek Hill. Right? They trade Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins. You're not sure what you're going to get from Patrick Mahomes necessarily because that deep threat's gone. Yes, you have Travis Kelsey, but now defenses can game plan more for big number 87, one of the greatest tight ends ever. Can Patrick Mahomes make it work with Juju Smith-Schuster who struggled at the end in Pittsburgh, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, who Aaron Rodgers never built a great rapport with, with Justin Watson, who's, hate to use this term, but it's a Bill Parcells term, a jag, just a guy. Yeah, Mahomes is first in yards. Okay. QBR, touchdowns, and very well might be the favorite to get to his third Super Bowl in four years with the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, possibly the front runner to win this year's MVP award, has been outstanding this year. He is on the nice list. Moving on to the next person on our naughty list. Did not expect to be putting him on this thing before the season started. Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is on the naughty list. So, Russell came into this season. Traded from the Seattle Seahawks to the Denver Broncos. Requested a trade. Did not want to play in Seattle anymore. Russell, typical kid. He was on the nice list for many years. He was good. Did his chores. He was good in school. You know? Got along with people. But then once... He was given little responsibility. You know, parents left for the weekend. They said, hey, take care of the place. And when they came back, it was an absolute train wreck, and there were uh, curtains on the floor. Okay, there were, uh, there's, there's crap spilled all over the floor, food and whatnot. Tore up the place. Just, just uh, made, made a mess. Spent too much money. And it's like, ah. Oh. We should have given this much responsibility. That, my friends, is Russell Wilson. He was, or I was one of those Russell Wilson defenders. Hey, let Russ cook. Look what he's done with subpart talent in Seattle. At least what I thought was subpart talent in Seattle. You know, offensive line wasn't great. Okay, outside of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, more of a deep threat than anything else. Not necessarily a great intermediate route runner. Okay, uh, some of the tight ends that they've got there in Seattle, you know, you're not... Not going to blow your socks off at the time. So he goes to Denver. He's got Cortland Sutton. And he's got uh, that K.J. Hamler kid. He's got uh, a, a good offensive line. He's got a phenomenal defense. Russell Wilson is having, and it is not even close, the gap between Russell Wilson's worst season, that being this year, and whatever a second worst season is, it's the gap between Denver, Colorado, and Argentina, okay? Like, that's... Russell Wilson hasn't been good this year. Not to mention that he's done a lot of things off the field that have put him on the naughty list in terms of the reports that came out about what actually went on in Seattle. He fooled Santa. Listen, listen, Santa sees you when he's sleeping. He knows when you're awake as the song goes. But look, he's... uh, Man's got to get some rest. And Russell seemed to know when that time to rest for Santa Claus was. And acted up in Seattle. Got his own office in Denver. Called Seahawks audibles with the Broncos. Very, very strange stuff going on with Denver. This is an easy one. Russell Wilson is on the naughty list. Last person 
of the of the group that I'm showing you to be on the nice list. This one I'm most excited about. You know his name. Wardell Stefan Curry the second. Is there anybody forget sports? Is there anybody on planet Earth who had a better 2022 than Steph Curry? So just gonna list off some of his accomplishments. So February, he won All-Star Game MVP by scoring 50, shattered the three-point record in the All-Star Game for threes made a game. The previous record was nine. Steph hit 16 and won All-Star Game MVP. About a month, month and a half later, Steph Curry did something that not many athletes do. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The man won an Oscar for his executive producing uh, 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 role in the uh, the Queen of Basketball film. Steph Curry won an Oscar. A couple months later, with the whole world knocking off my Golden State Warriors, and, ah, dynasty's over. Helps them get to an NBA Finals and wins the first ever Western Conference Finals MVP. And in the NBA Finals, a gift that Santa withheld from him for a while. For some reason, I never... Got question that never got the chance to question uh, Mr. Claus as, well, as to why Steph never got this. A finals MVP. Despite the fact that he was much better than the guy who did win finals MVP in 2015, being Andre Guadalla. In 2018, he was better than Kevin Durant, who won finals MVP in 2018. I was like, come on now. Like, give this, give this man his respect. He comes in the finals against the Celtics in a couple of those games, particularly game four, carried the Warriors to an NBA championship and got himself his finals MVP and his fourth championship ring. And to put the cherry on top, he graduated from Davidson and got his number 30 retired there. So, I mean, and plus he's, he's likable. He's a family man. His wife, Aisha, and the kids, they got a great business. And I mean, there's, what's there not to like about Steph Curry? You want to talk about numerous times Having your name on the nice list. Santa didn't even have to ask me about this one. He didn't have to ask me. Steph Curry's on the nice list. And finally, last person on the naughty list. And it's somebody that I genuinely love. And have admiration for. And enjoy watching when he's at his best. Kevin Durant. Sorry. And it hurts because I love Kevin Durant. He's on the naughty list. So... Like Kyrie Irving, he was part of the Nets getting swept in the first round of the playoffs against the Boston Celtics, despite a lot of people picking the Nets to win that series, despite being the seventh seed. And KD, who I have religiously called the most gifted, not necessarily the best, that's that's another argument, but the most gifted scorer that we've ever seen in the NBA, could do everything. Handle the ball, shoot the ball from anywhere, could shoot over people, could get to the basket, great for the free throw line. By the way, he's really good on the defensive end. Solid rim protector, decent perimeter defender. He's, he's like everything you want in a basketball player. If you created a player in NBA 2K, you create Kevin Durant. 
but he was shut down by those Boston Celtics and Jason Tatum in particular. They threw numerous bodies at him. Tatum, Brown, at times Marcus Smart. Okay, a lot of wing defenders in Boston that gave KD a lot of problems. And when it was all said and done, despite leaving Golden State to do his own thing, say, hey, all right, I've got my championships in Golden State, but y'all still don't want to give me credit even though I won two straight finals MVPs. Fine. I will show you that I can win without the greatest dynasty in 30 years in the NBA. Well, this year, after getting swept, the only team again to not win a playoff game of teams that, of course, qualified for the playoffs last season, this summer, he requested a trade. Said, I can't do this anymore. I'm not the driver of the buses, one Charles Barkley put it. And his trade requests for teams like Miami, where he doesn't have to lead a team. Seems like like Phoenix, he doesn't have to lead the team to a title. Teams that are organizationally intact. Stable. Katie would just have to come there and play basketball. By the way, what team on the planet would not like Kevin Durant? But when you are building your franchise around him, it becomes a little bit of an issue. Sorry, Katie. I love you. And I'm still going to do my darndest to try and recruit you to Golden State. And this probably doesn't help matters. Santa, Santa asked me to do the job. And I had to keep it real. Had to be honest with him. Kevin Durant is on the naughty list. I don't, I, I don't like having to do it. So before I get to my week 16 predictions, I'll go in, show it off right here. Guys that were on the naughty list, Kyler Murray, Aaron Rodgers, Kyrie Irving, Russell Wilson, and finally, Kevin Durant. And guys that were on the nice list this year, Aaron Judge, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, Steph Curry. There you go. Listen, you, you got to earn it. You got to earn be on the nice list. And those five did. But the beauty of it is it's a year-to-year thing. You know, Santa Claus also shares the same uh, sort of mentality that I do. What have you done for me lately? Or in his case, what have you done for me yearly? But it's a year-to-year thing, you know? It's a year-to-year thing. So last segment uh, before we get out of here, let me go ahead and dial up uh, what we got going here in terms of the next segment. Week 16 kicks off in the NFL uh, this weekend. Some amazing games. Like, I mean, you're talking like games that are going to decide divisions, sort of elimination type games. They're, the game on uh, Saturday night is one of those I would classify as, as such. Okay, some big, big matchups in the National Football League this weekend. Got some games on Saturday, some games on Christmas Day, Sunday, including a triple header. So let's get right into it. Right into my week 16 NFL predictions. We've got some holiday music to kind of do this, right? I usually have my regular upbeat music. It's 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 Christmas. It's the holiday season. I want to want to kind of relax in in this segment and, and, and have a good time and hopefully do well in my predictions. So I'm one to know this week. Feel good about myself. Had a rough week last week, went nine and seven, hoping to improve upon that. But right off the bat, folks, I'm going to do my upset of the week. You ready for this? Okay, here goes. Give me the Chicago Bears to upset the Buffalo Bills on Saturday afternoon, tomorrow. It's weird to say Saturday because I'm used to all the games being on Sunday. 
Bears upset the Bills in Chicago, and here is why. So, we know for the vast majority of these games this weekend, weather is going to be a big, big factor. Chicago, definitely no different. As it stands right now, I think we're in the negatives. It's not going to be that case in game day. It's going to be probably around 10, 15 degrees, but very cold. Now, Buffalo, of all teams, used to play in cold weather, right? Just last week, they played the Miami Dolphins, and in the fourth quarter, they were playing in a snowstorm. They're used to this. But what Miami did, I give the Dolphins a lot of credit. Give Mike McDaniel a lot of credit. He did something, again, exposed what's the biggest flaw of the Buffalo Bills. They can't stop the run. And if you're the Chicago Bears, if you're Matt Eberflus, the head coach, you're looking at this and saying, okay, in order to win, the best player in this game is going to be Josh Allen. For both teams, best player for the Bears and, and, the, and the Bills is Josh Allen. He's the quarterback, of course, because so he gets the ball every play. We are going to try to minimize, you know, how many times he touches the ball as much as humanly possible. So when you have a quarterback in Justin Fields who reportedly is going to be able to go this week, who is, at least this season, has been probably the best running quarterback in the NFL. Not the best dual threat, that'd be Jalen Hurts. But the best pure running quarterback in the NFL has been Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry, has been a, a Justin Fields. Yes, they're 0-6 or whatever it is since they traded for Chase Claypool, but Chase Claypool isn't going to be a factor. A, because Davis White's going to be on him. But B... They're just going to stick to the run game. Fields, Khalil Herbert, David Montgomery, some of those pieces that they have. A, a Bears offensive line that has been really good in pass protection. A Bears offense that has been really good at dialing up nice, creative run plays. And in some cases, it's just been Justin Fields being Superman. So, minimizing how much the Bills have the ball. That's my episode of the week. Once again, despite the Bills being eight-point favorites, not only am I taking Chicago plus eight, Give me the Bears to win outright in what would be one of the biggest upsets of the NFL season. Upset of the week, Bears beat the Bills by a final score of 20-17. to 17. We got another one. Another very, very cold game. You got, hey, it's, I feel like I'm playing a, a meteorologist. I am not, of course. But you got the New Orleans Saints. You've got the Cleveland Browns. Browns are favored by a field goal in this game at home, so this is essentially a pick em. Uh Somewhat, I think, of an elimination game for these two teams because if you, you're the New Orleans Saints. You're 5-9, but because you play in the worst division in the NFL, you're only a game back. Here's the problem, though. Tampa Bay, tiebreaker, played them twice and lost them twice. So you need to pretty much win out and get some help with Tampa Bay losing twice. You're essentially two games back with three to go because Tampa owns the tiebreaker should those two teams finish with the same record at the end of the season. So this is a big game for the Saints. This is a do-or-die game. As for the Browns, they're 6-8. and eight. They'll, of course, need a ton of help to get in the playoffs. They're two games back with three to go. They'll need all kinds of help to, to, to happen to, to find a way to get into this year's postseason. Deshaun Watson hasn't played great. He came back. I think it's to be expected. The guy hadn't played up until his, his debut in 700 days. And so, like I said when Deshaun came back, I'm treating this as a six-game preseason. The Browns are not going to make the playoffs. That's not the expectation. I don't think the expectations for Deshaun Watson to look the way he did the last time we saw him in 2020 when he was one of the top five best quarterbacks in football. New new offense, new system. Rusty hasn't played in a, well, uh, in a while, trying to get acclimated to it. What I look at is this. It's a cold-weather game. Deshaun Watson historically has not been a good cold-weather quarterback. 
Andy Dalton, by the way, is used to playing in cold weather because he played in Cincinnati for a while, and for what it's worth, he was in Chicago last year. The equalizer, though, I'm sorry, the, the difference maker, though, is one Nick Chubb. Snow Nick Chubb has had one, one of the best seasons of the season, uh, uh, one of the best uh, 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 in terms of production this season uh, uh, among running backs uh, behind that Browns offensive line. I'm going to take the Cleveland Browns to win this game by a final score of 23-15 to 15 over the New Orleans Saints. So there you go. Browns beat the Saints 23-15. to 15. Moving on to the next game. This was a tough one. This was almost my Bryson's Bleak bet game. But I'll say that the best Bryson's Bleak bet of the season is coming later down the road. Stay tuned for that. But you've got Houston Texans and the Tennessee Titans. Now, obviously, Houston's got the worst record in football. They set more on Bryce Young from Alabama than winning games this year. Uh, to the Texans' credit, though, Lovey Smith coming in, obviously a Super Bowl head coach, a lot of experience. And for a bad team like Houston is, they've been competitive. I mean, last two weeks, they almost beat the Dallas Cowboys, who are a playoff team. And it took overtime to lose to the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs couldn't beat the Texans in sixty in a 60-minute game. They needed extra time to beat them. So, coming off two close games. Is there a chance the Titans take them seriously? Probably so. Problem for Tennessee, though. Ryan Tannehill is reportedly out for the season. He was carted off early last week in that Chargers game. Came back, toughed it out, helped the Titans lead that big, you know, come-from-behind drive to tie up before Justin Herbert won it. The issue in, with, with this whole situation is this. Malik Willis is the backup quarterback. Now, I loved Malik Willis coming out of, of Liberty. <sighs> he still could pan out. It's only year one. I always give quarterbacks three years. Man, this guy's been bad. No touchdown passes thus far this season. Completion percentage in the gutter in the low 40s this year. He started against the Texans, and the Titans let him throw 10 passes. He was 6 for 10 for, I think, 55 yards. No touchdowns, no turnovers. This feels like a Derrick Henry game to me, for obvious reasons, because of the fact that you, you got Malik Willis at quarterback, and because of the fact that you got a situation where, look, <laughs> for what it's worth, Texas got a solid rushing defense, and they're going to, 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 to load the box. I'm wincing at this pick. It could be a Bryce's bleak bet. I'm going to close my eyes, and I'm rolling with Mike Vrabel. I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans to get what is going to be a just a massive win for them trying to put themselves in position to possibly make the postseason and win that AFC South over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me the Tennessee Titans to cover the spread. Exactly. They win this game by three over the Houston Texans. Moving on to a big one between the Seattle Seahawks and the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs are the biggest favorite of any team this weekend, as, as has been the case a lot this year. Chiefs are favored minus 10 at Arrowhead against Seattle. Again, another situation. Seattle absolutely has to win this game because you've got Detroit coming in right behind them with the same record. Detroit has a pretty easy schedule from here compared to the Seahawks' schedule, at least. And above Seattle, Washington's above them. Now, Washington's got a tough schedule, but so does Seattle. And the Giants have pretty much a cakewalk after this. Uh, they're 8-6-1. Not a good chance the Seahawks are going to uh, catch the Giants for a wild card spot. Geno Smith, after that really good first two-thirds of the season, has struggled mightily in the past few. And so when I look at Geno, this feels like a little bit of a bounce-back game for him. And I wouldn't be shocked if Seattle possibly gets out to an early lead. But 
when you've got big, but, but by the way, considering the fact that Kansas City's pass defense is awful. But when you look at the Chiefs, on the other hand, again, I always say, with respect to Tom Brady, there is no quarterback in NFL history that I would rather have trailing by double digits than Patrick Mahomes. I've never seen a guy trail by double digits, which he has multiple times this year. He gets the Raiders against the 49ers, who's a, you know the best defense in football. And in the blink of an eye, Kansas City's in front. So I could see Seattle. It's Pete Carroll. He'll have a good game plan. He's a great defensive coach. I could see the Chiefs considering, you know, they, they've been a little rocky offensively, getting off to a little bit of a, a slow start. I don't think they cover the spread, but I do think they come back to win 28-21 to 21 over the Seattle Seahawks. A little bit of a high-scoring game, considering what's going to be, obviously, freezing cold temperatures uh, in Kansas City. But I'm going to roll with the Chiefs. They won't cover, so I'd say take Seahawks plus 10. The roll with the Chiefs to win outright 28-21 to 21 over the Seattle Seahawks. Now, finally, a game that weather is going to be literally zero factor because the game's played indoors at U.S. Bank Stadium. I'm, of course, talking about the New York Giants going on the road to take on the Minnesota Vikings. There's a chance, folks, that this could be a playoff matchup. If Minnesota, say they slip to the three seed, or if they're able to hang on to the two seed, and the Giants fall from the six to seven, these two teams very well could play each other in the first round. So for Minnesota, obviously coming off of a heart-stopping, crazy, mind-boggling win over the uh, 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 over the Indianapolis Colts in a big comeback win, biggest comeback in the history of the National Football League, down twenty uh, thirty-three to nothing, coming back and winning the game. It's remarkable what they pulled off. Um, some of that was bad coaching by Jeff Saturday. Some of that was bad quarterbacking by Matt Ryan. But props to the Minnesota Vikings for not quitting and for winning a big game to clinch the NFC North. Now Minnesota sights a set on this. Look, the chances of them catching the Eagles are slim to none. Because in order for that to happen, Eagles would have to lose out and the Vikings would have to win out. That's not going to happen. So the Vikings' objective here, hang on to the number two seed. And by the way, you get a first look at a team who you could face in the playoffs. For the Giants, Daniel Jones is last in the NFL. I think I saw the stat the other day in passer rating on, yard, on, on throws 20 or more yards down the field, which, by the way, 20 or more yards down the field classify as deep throws. So Daniel Jones is one of, if not the worst quarterbacks in the league in throwing down the field. He's obviously a limited quarterback. In his defense, the Giants receiving course pretty limited. The traded Kadarius Toney, you know, uh, Kenny Galladay is just flat out. The man should be arrested for robbery. The money he's taken from the Giants for the lack of production he's putting up. You've got Sterling Shepard, who unfortunately went down for the year with an ACL. Saquon Barkley is obviously having a great year. But, again, the, this is a Vikings team who's obviously great in one-score games, who is great at building a lead big enough to where yeah, a team like the Giants, who's kind of one-dimensional in running the football with Saquon Barkley, they can kind of take you out of that and, and where Daniel Jones has to be relied upon. I could see a situation where the Giants are actually decent offensively because the Vikings secondary, folks, is bad. And not like Michael Jackson bad, like they stink. They stink. Okay, they made Mac Jones a few weeks ago look like a franchise quarterback. Who's to say that could be the case this week with Daniel Jones? This could be an upset alert type of game. I don't believe it will be. The Vikings in this game are favored minus four. I'm going to roll with Minnesota to cover the spread. They're undefeated this year, 10 and 0 in one score games. I'm going to roll with Minnesota, 27 to 20 over the New York Giants. On to the next one, as Jay Z said.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Thought about making this one if I were a betting man. I'm saving that for down the road. You've got the Cincinnati Bengals going on the road to take on the New England Patriots. you got two SEC quarterbacks, two SEC West quarterbacks, by the way. Shout out to the best conference in college sports. Joe Burrow for the Cincinnati Bengals. Mac Jones for the New England Patriots. One quarterback is very much in the running for MVP. One quarterback is trying to keep his job uh, and is having one of the worst seasons among all quarterbacks this season. So you look at Cincinnati. They are riding high right now. Okay, remember they lost to the Cleveland Browns on Halloween night? Yeah, they haven't lost since. They're undefeated in the month of November and thus far through the first half of December. Foxborough is obviously a tough place to play. Yep, again, like a lot of other stadiums, a lot of other cities in the country, really cold. But is there a team that's more well-rounded offensively than the Cincinnati Bengals? They're elite at quarterback. They've got a, a an elite top five number one receiver. Maybe the best number two receiver in the league, T. Higgins. T. Higgins would be the number one on a lot of teams. Okay? Uh, you've got an offensive line that has drastically improved from a year ago. And you've got a defense that, don't look now, has been one of the best in football this season. So, when I look at Cincinnati coming on the road, they're three-point favorites in New England. As well as the defense is playing, as as connected as the offense is, the... the, the the flow and the symmetry between Joe Burrow and his, his, his wideouts. Joe Mixon has been great this year when he's gotten the opportunity to be great. I think this game's over real fast. Give me the Cincinnati Bengals to win in blowout fashion. 30-10 to 10 over the New England Patriots. They pretty much eliminate New England from playoff contention. Again, I talked about coming into the season when he talked about New England's schedule. They would enter Thanksgiving with six wins. They would exit the 2022 NFL season with seven wins. They have absolutely no chance in this game whatsoever. This is not my if I were a Batman game, but this came in second place to that. Bengals beat the uh, the Patriots soundly, 30-10. to 10. Moving on to the next one. Again, this one has playoff ramifications as well for both teams. I mean, this is not a game that we looked at before the season like, hey, this you got to keep your eyes on this one. But that's the beauty of the NFL. You got the Detroit Lions taking on the Carolina Panthers in Charlotte, North Carolina this uh, Saturday afternoon. Detroit is favored at minus two and a half. Now, you look at Detroit. You look at how they played in the stretch, winning six of their last seven games. Uh, Dan Campbell, I've always said this. Listen, yeah, we make fun of him. I do on the show with a soundbite. You know, uh, you want a kneecap. Everybody gets a kneecap, you know. But the guy genuinely gets the best out of his guys. And that's all you can hope for for a head coach. And so when you talk about a guy who, in Jared Goff, who I thought personally should have been a pro bowler. I mean, Jalen Hurts was an obvious pro bowler. I thought Jared Goff should have gotten in over Jalen Hurts. That I mean, just given what he's done this year, Amonra St. Brown's had a great season. Uh, they, they've, they've ran the football well with, with DeAndre Swift, with guys like, say, um, uh, what's his name? Jamal Williams, who's leading the NFL in touchdowns. Great season for this Lions offense. Going on the road to take on a Panthers defense that is very stout. Charlotte, again, 
keep beating a dead horse here. This could be really cold. I'm going to trust the Lions offense in these frigid conditions as opposed to Sam Darnold, who, you know, tends to be a little bit of a turnover machine. Got outplayed by Mitch Trubisky last week at home. Panthers can still win the division, and they still control their own destiny. But their playoffs are going to take a big, big hit. Give me the Detroit Lions to stay hot and to cover. 26-20 over the Carolina Panthers. I think this Lions offense will have a great game plan coming into this one. Uh, against a, again, a very good Carolina Panthers defense. Give me Detroit to win 26-20. to Another game where we're not surprised that there's playoff ramifications for one, but for the other, you know, they're still technically alive, but I think it's safe to say even the fans of this team says, just put us, put us out of our misery. We're talking about, of course, the Atlanta Falcons going on the road to Baltimore to take on the Ravens. Ravens in this game favored minus 6.5. Again, Lamar Jackson is not going to play this week. Uh, there's a big kind of national debate about whether he should play again this season. It's a fair one. Uh, I think he's going to come back once he's healthy and play because Lamar's a competitor. And listen, players want to play. Uh, even despite the contract that Lamar has on the line after the season is over, and we'll see how that plays out. But Tyler Huntley is coming into this game. <laughs> He's been fine. Didn't play very well last week against a good Browns defense. Only scored three points in Cleveland. Uh, this is a Ravens offense. If, if there's ever any, you know, I always say about valuable players, most valuable player in the NBA, and really in any sport, and in any industry, by the way, you know how good and how valuable and how important you are to a company whatever the case may be, than when you're not there. Well, Lamar Jackson wasn't there last year. They did not win a single game without him. This year, they have been anemic offensively. Like, they're Denver Broncos bad. They're struggling just to get into the double digits. Lamar was scoring like 28, 30 points with his team. So, six and a half feels like a lot. I get Atlanta has a bad defense. They're beat up on the offensive side of the ball. Desmond Ritter is the starting quarterback. He's a raw rookie out of the University of Cincinnati over Marcus Mariota. He was, listen, the kid was fairly poised last week. It was his first start on the road in New Orleans. But now you got to go to Baltimore. Cold weather. Again, six and a half feels like a lot. Expect this to be yet another low-scoring game for the Ravens without Lamar Jackson. But thankfully for them, they're playing the Atlanta Falcons. So I'm going to give the Ravens this win. They don't cover. I take Falcons plus six and a half. But the Ravens went outright in a little bit of an ugly game, 16-14. to 14. Now moving on to the, I was going to say afternoon slate of games, but there's only two of them. Only two afternoon games. You've got, again, big playoff ramifications. Could be a playoff matchup in the first round. You've got the Washington Commanders going to Santa Clara to take on the San Francisco 49ers. Mr. Sturdy Purdy, my guy, has won his first two starts in the NFL and has played well in both. Carved up, a little plug for my show here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a couple weeks back. And then on Thursday night football a week ago, looked really good, really solid, really accurate. Pushed the ball down the field, which they wouldn't let Jimmy Garoppolo do against the Seattle Seahawks. So, listen, you've got Ron Rivera coming in. One of the better defensive coaches in the NFL. I expect him to have a solid game plan for Brock Purdy because, like I was talking about earlier in the show with Mac Jones, with limited quarterbacks who are kind of making their first starts in the league and look pretty good. The best defensive coaches eventually are going to find a solution, find a game plan to figure out these young quarterbacks. So when I'm looking at Washington, Chase Young's back. Now, we'll see if he's in a limited snap count. I anticipate that will be the case. But Chase Young's back, finally, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL when fully healthy. 
for the Washington Commanders. As for the Niners, though, Debo Samuel is going to be out once again this week. But folks, this defense is unlike anything that I've seen in the last, well, really since the 2015 Broncos. Like this, this I can honestly say in terms of getting to the quarterback, taking the ball away, just making life as impossible as can be for your offense. This is the best defense I've seen since that 2015 Broncos squad that led them to winning a Super Bowl in Peyton Manning's last year. So I anticipate Ron Rivera will have a solid game plan to stop a guy like Brock Purdy, which feels weird to say, stopping Brock Purdy. But I'm going to roll with the San Francisco 49ers to win this game. They do cover a minus, uh, uh, they do cover a six and a half point spread. Niners win this game by a final score of 24 to 16 over the Washington Commanders. Niners win 24 16 over Washington, and they give themselves a shot possibly to uh, to, to win the, not to, or they've already won the NFC West to, to get to that number two seed in the NFC. Uh, so again, once again, a huge game for the Niners, a huge game for Washington to try and keep their playoff hopes alive. Moving on to the next one. And it's a segment that I really struggle with this year, to say the very least. But you know what time it is. It is time for... What a betting man? If I were a betting man, I am sitting back, drinking some egg- eggnog, eating my candy cane, and looking at the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. So Dallas is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. Now, we, of course, the biggest story in this game... No Jalen Hurts for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, he's he's out. Sounds like he's a shoulder, a, a sprained shoulder, sprained AC joint on his uh, right shoulder, throwing shoulder. Uh, obviously, a big big loss for the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, this line has sort of fluctuated all throughout the week. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it moves uh, in the next twenty four hours before kickoff in Jerry World. But this is still a stacked Philadelphia roster. This is still a Gardner Minshew, who, ladies and gentlemen, since he came into the NFL is top five in touchdown-to-interception ratio. 41 touchdown passes to only 12 picks. Gardner Minshew's a nice quarterback. He's one of the better backups in the league. There's some teams in the NFL, Carolina, Atlanta, Denver, <laughs> that would take that would take Gardner Minshew as their starter. He's productive. He can win you a couple games, especially given the talent. You still have A.J. Brown. You still have Devontae Smith. You still have Quez Watkins. Dallas Goddard's underreported story, one of the best tight ends in football, is coming back this week after missing five games with a uh, with a shoulder injury himself. He's coming back for the Philadelphia Eagles. And he has typically, if you look at his numbers against the Cowboys, been really good. This is an Eagles defense that has been shut down all season long, leading the league in sacks, leading the league in takeaways, leading the NFL in, uh, uh, in uh, what is it, takeaway ratio. Uh, in terms of taking the ball away and being able to score with it, uh, capitalizing off of the opposition's missed opportunities. This this is what great teams do. This is what Super Bowl contending teams do. And this is what the Philadelphia Eagles have done this season. On the other side for the Dallas Cowboys, coming off of a tough loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars that all but sealed that Dallas will not win the NFC East this season. But they're in the playoffs, similar to Minnesota trying to just hang on to the two seed the rest of the way. Dallas is in the playoffs. They're not going to win their division. Their job is to just hang on to that number five seed and play the winner of the worst division of football, the NFC South. Dak Prescott's having, considering what he is working with, as I showed you on the show yesterday, I'm not going to divulge too much into it today. You can, If you, if you want to watch my segment on that, you can look at that. But he's having a remarkable season. Okay, he's like, he's first in red zone completion percentage, uh, first in 
uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, he, he's top three in in clean pocket, uh, uh, clean pocket uh, percentage passing for the pocket. You've got a situation where he's leading the Cowboys in the points since he came back. But again, all I've heard was that it's his fault. His receiving core is one of the worst in football. We know this. Uh, the defense has had one sack in two weeks. It's a defense that I've been lectured has been one of the best in football this year. Micah Parsons, who I picked this year to be the defensive player of the year, is giving that award. Listen, I know it's Christmas. It's the gift-giving season, but don't give people what's rightfully yours. Don't, don't, don't give Nick Bosa what is rightfully you, yours. You are the defensive player of the year. At least you showed that in the first 10, 12 games of the year. Since, he's been a Houdini. He's been very quiet. A Cowboys secondary that is beat up. Their number one corner, Trayvon Diggs, is hurt. Kelvin Joseph is their number two, and you saw you know, his rap name, Boss Man Fats. Uh, he better hope that rap career works out if he keeps playing the way he's playing. He's been awful. He was torched last week by Zay Jones. Okay, Anthony Brown done for the year. Uh, uh, Jordan Lewis done for the year. Leighton Vander Esch is out with an injury. He's their leading tackler. So, matchup-wise, this screams take Philadelphia and the points. Take Philadelphia and the points. I'm going to come out straight up and say it. Not only is Philadelphia going to cover, not only should you take them the points, you should take them to win. Not only should you take them to win, you should take them to win convincingly. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game 31-21 to over the Dallas Cowboys. I think this game is over quick. If Dak pulls this off, if he beats the Eagles... Given the, the limitations that he has on the offensive side of the ball, given the fact that his defense has been nothing short of atrocious this season, it would be arguably the greatest accomplishment of his career. Even better than winning that playoff game over a really good Seahawks team uh, in, in, in 2018. Give me the Philadelphia Eagles. If I were a bet man, eat, take the Eagles plus four and a half, and I'm taking them to win outright 31-21 to 21 over the Dallas Cowboys. We've got a Saturday night game. A bittersweet game because today is the 50-year anniversary of one of the most iconic plays in the history of football, the Immaculate Reception. Obviously, we all have seen the play on the highlight tapes from 1972. It's the playoff game, the at-the-time Oakland Raiders and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Remember, the Steelers weren't a dynasty yet. Terry Bradshaw, it's a last-ditch effort. He throws a pass left side. It gets knocked in the air. Again, at the time, an offensive player could not touch the ball and have another offensive player touch the ball on the same play. So I couldn't throw a pass to you and you say tip it to somebody else. That would have been illegal back in the day. The ball got tipped. It's a debate whether it got touched by a Steelers player or not. And the great Franco Harris caught the pass, you know, scooped it up like a shortstop and took it in the end zone for the game-winning touchdown. Of course, Franco Harris earlier this week passed away at the age of 72. It's, it's, it's horrible because he was going to get his number retired on Saturday uh, or I'm sorry, tomorrow, only the third Steeler ever to have his number retired in what is one of the most historic franchises, one of the biggest landmark franchises in the NFL. So again, a bittersweet game. And tomorrow night's game happens to be the now Las Vegas Raiders coming to Acrisure Stadium to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, as for the game itself, it appears that Kenny Pickett is going to play. Of course, there's a big story this week. I, I don't know if we're talking enough about it. Kenny Pickett, of course, has had two concussions this year. After the second, 
he took himself out of the game. So a little bit of a debate like should should the league office or should those who are watching for the booth have seen the Kenny Pickett concussion issue before he pulled himself? You know, if we're going to get mad about Tua, we, we should also get mad about this whole Kenny Pickett situation. Nevertheless, it looks like he's going to play in the Steelers. This is a, a must-win game for them for two reasons. A, a last-ditch effort to make the playoffs. And B, again, Mike Tomlin, once again, 15 straight seasons, an NFL record without having a losing record. So he has to win out in order to get that, or to keep that record going, to keep that streak going. It'd be one of the more improbable years of doing so. You're hosting a Las Vegas Raiders team. They got, obviously, the miraculous win, the craziest play of the NFL season, their win over the Patriots on Sunday. Chandler Jones taking in the walk-off touchdown. Before that, Derek Carr was... Derek Carr, which is clutch, late in the fourth quarter, hit hit uh, Keelan Cole for the, the tying touchdown pass before Chandler Jones obviously uh, walked it in on the uh, on the lateral from Jacoby Myers. Stadium's gonna be cold. Pittsburgh's gonna be very cold tomorrow night. Again, as is most stadiums, as most places around the country. So here's what I'm looking at. You've got an offense in the Raiders that has been very inconsistent. You've got an offense in the Steelers that is just not that good. Struggle with turnovers, can't really run the ball. The offensive line has struggled to pass protect, uh, you know, g- give their rookie quarterback a shot back there. I think Kenny Pickett's a nice talent. I don't know what he is because he doesn't have time to throw. We'll find out more next year. But to me, the thing that it's sort of like Cleveland and uh, the Saints game, like the difference maker for me is that Pittsburgh defense. It's TJ Watt, it's Minka Fitzpatrick. Okay, it, it, it's those it's those Steelers corners that I think are going to give the Raiders a very hard time. Guys like obviously Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, uh, Josh Jacobs. Expect him to be the focal point of the Raiders' offense, and expect this to feel like a 1972 football game. Low scoring, quarterbacks make throws here and there, but it's a defensive battle. I think the game deciding play is it's sort of a reverse fortune for the Raiders. It is the Steelers. Late in the fourth quarter, getting a defensive touchdown. Don't know who it's going to be by. I have a feeling TJ Watt will at least have something to do with the play. Not saying he'll score it, but he'll have something to do with a defensive touchdown. The Steelers win this game. Very ugly game that they're favored in. Minus two and a half. 14 to 10. Again, not the prettiest football, but again, must win for both teams. Both have a outside shot of making the playoffs. They're six and eight. They need all kinds of things to go their way in order to get in. I think this is this is it for the Raiders. Expect by I, 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 by the way something else too. I trust Mike Tomlin a lot more than I trust Josh McDaniels. So give me the Steelers to win this game, fourteen to ten over the Las Vegas Raiders. Moving on to the next game, Christmas Day, and Christmas Day we get we get to open the best present first. It is the Miami Dolphins and it is the Green Bay Packers uh, in Miami in South Beach. This week, the Packers, I'm sorry, the Dolphins in this game are favored minus four. Here's what I'm looking at with this. So Miami has lost three straight, but that loss to Buffalo, to their credit and to their quarterback's credit, who I've obviously been very critical of, played well, ran the ball well. Tua was accurate for the most part during the night. was good in the red zone. Uh, The problem was they were playing Josh Allen and Josh Allen threw four touchdown passes. Not much you could do against one of the league's best players. Both teams are kind of desperate. Dolphins have lost three straight. They're starting to feel almost like, oh shoot, the uh, we're starting to lose control of our, our our spot in the playoffs. As for Green Bay, it's as Aaron Rodgers talked about it. We just gotta go game by game. 
You know, the Packers won last week against the Los Angeles Rams on Monday night. It's a short week for them, not having to, you know, usually it's a short week going Monday to Sunday. In this case, it's Monday to Saturday. So not a lot of time to rest. Thankfully for the Packers, they get to go to South Beach. You know, boo-hoo, hate that for them. Uh, But as for the Dolphins, they're in a situation where they need to win. This is a Packers defense that is struggling. I expect Mike McDaniel to have one of his best uh, one of his best games of the year in terms of game plan. This is a Packers offense that excels in running the football. Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Thunder and Lightning, as they are called. Uh, this is a Packers offensive line that looks to be missing David Bakhtiari once again. Aaron Rodgers was solid on Monday night against the Los Angeles Rams. Don't expect that against this Dolphins defense this week. I think this is a situation where the Dolphins take control early. The Packers are playing catch-up late. Give me, where is it? There we go. Give me the Miami Dolphins to win this game. 28-20 to over the Green Bay Packers. In effect, pretty much ending Green Bay season. And exposing the fact that the Packers squandered a big-time opportunity to see what the heck they have in Jordan Love. Will he play the last two games of the year? That will be determined. Only time will tell. But the Dolphins get a big win. I think they do cover that four-point spread by a final score of 28-20. to So I'm going to stop the music right now. I'm going to be in a holly jolly mood for most of this weekend. A lot of football. Got some basketball, obviously. Great NBA games on Christmas Day. But I must take a moment for five minutes. I debuted a segment this year called Bryson's Bleak Bet. It's like it's the one game every week that I have no confidence in predicting, but got to predict it. Bryson's bleak bet might as well have been created for this game. Not games like this. No, this game specifically. Because in September, my man Ryan Flowers was on the show with me from Clutch Sports Talk, teammate on the grid. And I did my NFL predictions. And a lot of predictions I was you know, right on the money on. I thought Minnesota would be good. I thought Dallas would take a step back. I thought, and some I was wrong on. You know, Philly, I, I didn't think Philly was going to be as good as they've been this year. You know, I, I, I thought that the Raiders would be better than they were this year. You know, that you're right and you're wrong with certain picks. But never in my life, forget this show, never in my life have I ever been more wrong about anything than my Super Bowl prediction from this past September. Out of the AFC, I took the Denver Broncos, who acquired Russell Wilson last offseason in a trade. I made some other offseason moves that I liked. Out of the NFC, felt like the less risky pick, I took the defending Super Bowl champions, Los Angeles Rams. They play on Christmas Day, 4.30 Eastern, 1.30 Pacific Time, L.A. Time, on CBS. Two teams are predicted to win the Super Bowl. The Broncos are 4-10. and 10. They have been mathematically eliminated from postseason contention, and they were two weeks ago, by the way. The Los Angeles Rams, on the other hand, are also 4-10. and 10. They also are last in their division, and they also have been eliminated from playoff contention. 
Now, the Rams, it's a myriad of things. They lost some guys in free agency. Vaughn Miller, Andrew Whitworth retired. Odell Beckham Jr. Is, is, is hurt and has been a free agent this year. And not to mention the fact that they've been dealing with other situations like the injuries to their starting quarterback, Matthew Stafford, or to their best right wide receiver, Cooper Cup, or to probably still the best player in all of football, Aaron Donald, who is likely done for the season. Go and put up the graphic here. Bryce's bleak bet. It's the one game every week that I have no confidence in predicting, but I have to because I predict the games every week. You got to do it. This game between the Denver Broncos and Los Angeles Rams. Denver's favored minus two and a half coming into this game. Rams beat up. Broncos get Russell Wilson back. Not sure if that's even a, a plus. I heard Mark Schlereth former Super Bowl champion back in the 90s with the Broncos, talk about how uh, the Broncos' offense was more efficient, operated better overall as a whole with Brett Rippon than with Russell Wilson, a guy who I thought coming into the season was a surefire Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm not so sure now. I'm not so sure. On the other side for the Rams, it is Baker Mayfield. If you'd have told me coming into the season that the Christmas Day starter for the Los Angeles Rams would be Baker Mayfield, I'd have said, too much eggnog for you, buddy. This too, too much eggnog. No, that's exactly the case. And it is probably the worst quarterback matchup of the NFL season. So for Bryson's bleak bet, no game all season long that has been played or will be played in the 2022 National Football League season is more appropriate for me to dub Bryce's bleak bet than for Broncos Rams. I will close my eyes, try to watch as little of the game as possible because I want to enjoy my Christmas and not be sad about a decision that I made in September. Give me the Rams to beat the Broncos by a final score of 17 to 14. I have absolutely nothing to say beyond that. And with that, we move on. So, for real quick, let's get to some comments here. Grady Edwards says, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Grady, to you and your loved ones, your family. Hope you have a great Christmas, great holiday season. A couple questions from him. He says, are the, uh, are the Dolphins free-falling or just had a hard schedule? Um, both. Um, I, listen, I think to their credit, which good teams are supposed to do this, they've beaten the bad teams. They've beaten the Texans. They beat the Browns. They the Bears. They've beaten the teams that they were supposed to beat, which I can't I can't fault you for doing that. That's why I don't get all the criticism for Philadelphia. The thirteen of one for the Dolphins, though. And I said I was going to judge Tua and and look at him through a, a certain lens based on how he played in a three game stretch. That being Niners, Chargers, Bills. I said if he plays well, forget win. If he plays well and puts them in position to win in two out of those three, then I'm in on Tua, and I was wrong on Tua. He only did it once, and that was for the Buffalo Bills. He was awful against the Niners and awful against the Los Angeles Chargers. And played pretty well, though, against the Buffalo Bills. Put them in position to win, and I give him all the credit in the world for that. Uh, so I think it's a little bit of both, uh, but I do think that they will beat the Packers this weekend. <laughs> Grady says, Rams versus Broncos looking pretty good, man. You still riding with it? You're, 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 you're a mean person, Grady. <laughs> he says, which Wilson has failed worth, Zach or Russell? I'd say Russell just because the expectations were higher. And at least Zach Wilson is on a rookie deal. The, the Jets aren't paying him anything. 
Russell Wilson is on the second biggest contract in the NFL. His contract adds up to a quarter of a bill. So, Russell, just because the expectation... Nobody thought the Jets were going to win the Super Bowl. We thought we'd see a better Zach Wilson, but nobody saw, like... I don't even know if we saw playoff expectations for the Jets. So, the Jets have exceeded it. Zach Wilson has regressed, but Russell's been worse. And last comment from Grady here, he says, Merry Christmas, Rams fans. Santa brought Baker to town. Well, look, he's, I, I, look, Baker's better than John Wolford. I mean, he's, he's better than what they had, and he, to this credit, he played excellent and won them that game over uh, the Las Vegas Raiders on Thursday Night Football. So, with that... No more Broncos Rams. I'm done with that. I want to have a good Christmas. Last game to predict. It is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Tampa Bay is a seven and a half point road favorite in this game. The biggest road favorite of any team in the NFL this weekend. And that is in large part because the Arizona Cardinals are not only without Kyla Murray. They're also without their backup. One of the better backups in the league, Colt McCoy. It will be Trace McSorley at quarterback uh, for uh, for the uh, Arizona Cardinals this this coming Sunday evening. Uh, it, it, it's tough. It's, it's, it's a tough matchup. He struggled mightily in relief for an, uh, a concussed Colt McCoy last week against Denver. And he's in a situation against a great Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense where I, I, I just... Uh, listen, Cliff Kingsbury's not a good coach. His teams tend to free fall in the second half of seasons. He's had a history of that. But man... I don't, I don't know what game plan he can put in place. The only way for Arizona to possibly lose this game is if Tom Brady self-destructs the way he did last week. Difference was he was playing a really good defense in Cincinnati. In this case, Arizona's defense is nothing. It's awful. Uh, this is one of those games where I genuinely cannot anticipate or see in my brain a situation where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose. I, I, can't, I can't see it. I, I can't. Tom Brady struggled, I understand that. The Tampa Bay offense has struggled. Safe to say, as Grady and I have talked about uh, all season long, he was on this before I was. Credit to him. They really miss Bruce Arians this year. Uh, they come out flat in some of these games. That points to coach, and that points to Todd Bowles. And I like Todd Bowles. I think he's a great defensive coordinator, just not a head coach. Um, Tom's had a down year. But it's a must-win game for him. They have to win, and fortunately for them, they get a good Christmas present in a bad Arizona Cardinals team and a team on their third-string quarterback. Tampa Bay wins easily. Give me the Buccaneers to cover the minus 7.5-point spread. 26-13 to 13 over the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals already have been mathematically eliminated. So this at this point, they're just playing for a high draft pick. I wouldn't be shocked if McSorley just go ahead and start, go, goes ahead and starts the rest of the year. Buccaneers win to close out Christmas 26-13 to 13 over the Arizona Cardinals. There you go. Got a com, uh, comment here. Oh, Grady disagrees. He says Arizona very well might win this game. I'm tempted to pick them. I don't. I just. I can't see it, Grady. I, I'm unless you're just messing around with me. But I. I. I, I can't see it. The, the, the Cardinals' defense has been bad all season. DeAndre Hopkins, by the way, credit to him, has been outstanding since returning from the six-game suspension. But no Hollywood Brown. Zach Ertz is hurt. Uh, again, Tampa Bay's coming in desperate. They were humiliated by the Niners. They were out-schemed, out-game-planned, and outplayed vastly in the second half, in particular on the offensive side of the ball, against the Cincinnati, against the Cincinnati Bengals. They were put, put their defense in 
terrible positions where the Bengals were like starting in the red zone, like three, like literally their starting position was in the red zone, like two or three of their possessions in the second half. I just, if Tampa loses, man, then they're not winning the division. If they can't beat Arizona, they're not beating the Carolina Panthers or the Atlanta Falcons to close the season. They're just not. They're going to finish with six wins. It's as simple as that. Uh, Grady says, just down on Tampa, man. I think they'll win, but it'll be like a 17 to 10 or something like that. That feels about right. I mean, I, I think just because the Cardinals' defense is so bad and this is a must-win situation for Tampa, I think they do win comfortably. <sighs> the Christmas Day slate is not as good as the NFL thought it would be before the season, which part of me kind of likes it just because I feel good for the NBA. Because, now, now look, the, the NBA's, uh, or the NFL, Sunday, Christmas just happened to fall on a Sunday in 2022. So the NFL was going to have games. But when you look at the games on tap for the NBA, man, oh man, it looks good. It looks really good uh, for for the National Basketball Association. So well, let's see, we got a comment from, from Grady here. Yeah, Grady's talking about Tampa. He says, if they lose this game, they will lose this division and Carolina will win it, mark my words. I agree. I agree. Because the Saints are basically two games back because they don't they don't hold the tiebreaker. The Falcons were are with Desmond Ritter at quarterback. It's I mean, I, I can't see them. Steve Wilkes has done a really good job as the interim head coach with the Carolina Panthers. And if I'm Carolina, I'd at least consider I'd at least consider bringing him back. Carolina was tanking. They traded their best player. They traded their best receiver. Or sec, I'm sorry, second best receiver. They thought about trading their best defensive player. They were tanking. They're on their third quarterback this year. They can win this division. They control their own destiny. I think they'll lose this Sunday against Detroit. But, hey, they can win this division. Absolutely. But as far as the NBA's Christmas Day schedule, you got Sixers-Knicks, which is a very intriguing game because the Knicks are winners of eight straight. Julius Randle's playing well. Jalen Brunson has been everything the Knicks thought he would be and more. Safe to say the Dallas Mavericks miss him more than a little bit. Uh, the 76ers come in this game. Joel Embiid's playing great basketball. Uh, they, they've really rebounded for what was a rough, rough start to the season. Some high expectations for the 76ers this season. That'll be a fun one at noon Eastern uh, at Madison Square Garden. The second game, you got two of the faces of the NBA, LeBron James with the Lakers, Luka Doncic with the Mavs. Uh, obviously, no Anthony Davis. Uh, let me predict the games. Just super fly fast. I'll go with the Sixers to beat the Knicks. It's Christmas Day at the Garden. I think Joel Embiid shows up and shows out. Sixers beat the Knicks. Mavs beat the Lakers. No rim protection for Los Angeles. Luka will get a lot of his shots down low. Uh, won't be a huge perimeter game for, for Luka or the Mavs in general. Uh, the best game on Christmas Day, easily. Bucks, Celtics, probably the two best teams in the NBA. Uh, that'll be in Beantown in Boston, Massachusetts at 5 Eastern. Uh, listen, I think at this point is a foregone conclusion. Stop it with Brooklyn and with Cleveland. One of these two teams, if healthy, will represent the Eastern Conference in the 2023 NBA Finals. There's just no ifs, ands, or buts. They're too great offensively. They're too well coached. They're too great in the defensive end. So many scores, got length, shooting, everything that you want to have a great basketball team in 2022, both teams have it. I think it's going to live up to the hype. I think it's going to be a close one down to the wire. I could even see it maybe going to overtime. I'm going to roll with the Bucks. Joe, Joe Ingles is coming back from injury. Jason Tatum, as great as he's been, I don't want to put this on Jason Tatum. The Celtics as a whole 
have tended to struggle with great teams in terms of length. So I'm going to roll with I'm going to roll with the Bucks. They get a big road win in Boston. Then the the biggest game I'm excited about is it's my team, the Memphis Grizzlies and the Golden State Warriors. Um, now obviously my dubs are without Steph Curry and probably without Andrew Wiggins. Honestly, the two best players of the team, and uh, safe to say they've gotten absolutely smacked, but by the two New York teams and finished with a one and five road trip to the East Coast. Memphis has been talking a lot leading into this one. I'm going to do it. Golden State wins. Golden State beats Memphis on Christmas Day. They say in Memphis, whoop that trick. We will whoop that trick on Christmas Day. Memphis has talked a lot. We've gotten embarrassed on the road. We come home, home cooking. Get to be in front of the best fans in the NBA, Dub Nation. Warriors win this one. Close, but they win it. And then the last game, Suns Nuggets. At that point, most of the East Coast will be in bed. That'll, uh, by the way, Golden State, uh, Memphis tips off at eight Eastern. Suns Nuggets tips off at ten thirty Eastern. So Phoenix is dirt deal. Excuse me, Phoenix is winning, but they are dealing with some real turmoil within the organization with Monty Williams, DeAndre Ayton. There's some serious problems going on with that. So. I'm rolling with Denver. They're the number one seed in the West. Nicole Jokic is playing great basketball. The supporting cast is doing their part. I think Michael Malone is one of the most over-criticized coaches in the NBA. I think he's done a great job with this group. Uh, so I'm going to roll with uh, I'm going to roll with the, the Nuggets. So who do I got? I've got Sixers, Mavs, Bucks, Warriors, Nuggets winning on Christmas Day. Yeah, that's what I got. So there you go. And, and let's again, the NBA Christmas Day slate is much better than it is against. Um, than, than the NFL slate. The best NFL game is, is the 1 o'clock game between the Packers and the Dolphins. Grady says, yeah, my Panthers have found our head coach. He deserves a shot with a real, a real quarterback next year. Yeah, there's no question Carolina will take one. Whether they have to trade up to do so, should they make the playoffs, or if they're just in a spot where they've got five, six wins and they just got a high draft pick. Uh, there's a lot of good quarterbacks in this year's draft. And Grady to the NBA, he says, he says, y'all trade Draymond before the deadline. Y'all looking like this year's Rams, man. You know, I was thinking about that. Injuries, maybe a little too full of ourselves off the championship. But good news about the NBA is unlike the NFL, it's an 82-game season. It's an 82-game season. Keep in mind, I can't, I keep saying this, and I said this on yesterday's show. A, there's no way the Warriors can look worse than what they looked like on Wednesday night. Or really over the course of the road trip. Really over the course of the season, defensively in particular. But they're reportedly in the market to go get Alex Caruso from the Chicago Bulls. That would be a great pickup. He's basically another vert. He's basically Gary Payton the second who we had last year, but he can shoot. Alex Caruso is a 40%-ish three-point shooter. So that'd be a great pickup. He played well within Steve Kerr's system. And they're reportedly uh, in talks to go acquire a big man, possibly a Jakob Pertl from San Antonio. That'd be a good pickup. Uh, I don't think they'll trade Draymond. I think at this point, they look at the, this year as the last year competing for titles with, as I call them, the three amigos, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Um, I don't think so. And again, I keep saying this. Remember, Boston had a losing record coming into the new year. Remember, they were really average in October, November, December, weren't playing well defensively, weren't getting along. Once January rolled around, I don't know what it was, but they turned that sucker around and the Boston Celtics got to the NBA Finals. 
So careful before you write off the Warriors. It feels like writing off the New England Patriots after a bad September. Don't write them off yet. I'm still rolling with my Warriors. And so proven otherwise, because we are the best dynasty in the history of the league since the 90s Chicago Bulls. Because we have four championships, they're six. Pay respect where it's due. We'll rebound. Make no mistake about it. And I think we'll get the upset win over Memphis. I think Klay Thompson has a big night. Dylan Brooks been talking a lot of crap to Klay Thompson. Klay will respond. It'll be like a game six Klay type game, except it'll be on Christmas. Whew. Long show today, right? We got the Christmas segment, week 16 predictions, the Steph Kyrie debate, Mac Jones, uh, former Patriots, Edelman, Will Fork going after him and his attitude with the team. And then, of course, I led the show with the Jaguars and Jets game. So a loaded show today. And we've got a loaded weekend. With that, that is all the time we have for today's show. I pre- appreciate everybody stopping by, as always. Be sure to catch Carving It Up Live back to our regularly uh, scheduled time on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to like, share, comment, and take two seconds out of your day. Hit that big red subscribe button. Helps the channel grow exponentially. And hit that notification bell. Anytime we go live, like again today, Obviously, we don't usually do the show at noon, but because it's, it's the holidays, uh, I've got a Christmas party tonight. I'm sure many of you do. Um, so I want to do the show earlier today. But if we do decide to go live, if I go decide to go live at like noon or like four, midnight, I don't know, you'll get a notification when we do that or when a video is uploaded to YouTube short and whatnot. Also, be sure to subscribe to the Grid Podcast Network. That is the Grid Network. Uh, again, that's where my show's at. That's where the likes of Barry Grant Jr. of the All Even Podcast, Ryan Flowers of Clutch Sports Talk. Okay, you've got Alfred Parsar Jr. with the Rocket Fuel Jets Podcast, Patrick Brown with the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. I'm with the Cowboys Cam with a Chaotic Sports Podcast, and then you've got the Cowboys Cam Fan Podcast. It's two different shows, two different shows. Amazing creators on there. That's where you can listen to my show on YouTube and where you can listen to my show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcast also last thing carving it up merch you can check it out on my instagram account it's it's on a, a link in 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 my saved stories get some it's not last minute christmas gifts because it's the 23rd so if you want to buy it now it, of course you won't be able to get it in time uh for the 25th but some post christmas presents listen rep carving it up rep the show it's on my instagram stories be sure to go check it out everybody merry christmas happy holidays Hope everybody has a great weekend. Please continue to stay safe out there, especially with these crazy, crazy temperatures outside. Please be sure to take care of your mental and physical health. God bless you all. Peace out. Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.